Thank you all again for being here. Um, communion is always a special time, amen. Whether you have it every Sunday or once a quarter, it's, um, it's still special nonetheless. So um, as we get started today, does anyone here like, like roller coasters or amusement park rides? Anybody? You like them. You like roller coasters, you like rides, or you like them at one time. All right, Mr. Loris is nodding. He said, anybody hate them? Anybody hate them? All right, I hate them. Okay, all right. So I was the one growing up in, in high school, middle school and high school, uh, I would ride anything. Like, I was just, you know, the scarier the better. All right, the higher it went up, the better. I didn't care. I, 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 liked, I liked stuff like that. Uh, uh, we would ride, my friend Scott and I would ride about anything. If that meant ride, uh, waking up at 5 in the morning and driving all the way to Disney World and riding and coming back that day, we did that, you know, back in the day. Um, that was way before Wild Adventures. Wild Adventures was just a, was just a, a field, you know, uh, back then. But anyway, uh, and, you know, some of y'all may remember um, Blue Springs, all right, the crow's nest. Uh, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. The crow's nest. I, I I went off the third. I woke off the third one. You know, the third platform. I didn't do the crow's nest because then there weren't any steps there. You'd have to climb it, and I was crazy, but not that crazy. All right. And uh, but anyway, um, and and, and so, uh, but when I got around, I think I was around twenty, twenty eight years old around there. All right. Um, I couldn't do it anymore. I'm like, what just happened? So what? So we went to a. We went to Wild Adventures. I was working in Lee then. I was teaching at Lee over in Madison County. And we had the really nice, I think I may have told this story before. I can't remember if I did, forgive me. But um, we went there, and and, uh, and it was for the pe- the good students, okay? All right, so uh, not not Brad, but um, other, I'm just playing Brad. Um, that's my nephew. I can pick on him now. Uh, Ethan, I'm going to lay off of you today. It's all going to go to Brad. Um, but anyway, just playing, Brad. Um, but, you know, it was like, it, it, you know, it was a really good trip to go to. And so I got on the swing and safari with a young lady who's so sweet, and she just picked on me the whole time. And I'm like, I'm really sick. And I, I'm like, and she said, ah, ha, Coach Murphy, ha, ha, ha. And then, you know, I got off of it, and I was like, I'll, I'll never do that again. I, you know, and then what really stinks is that Sally likes to ride, and my girls do too. And now I, I can't do that. So if I, so when we've gone to Wild Adventures and I've ridden, I've gone on a ride with the girls. It's it's a labor of love. It's it's a sacrifice for me. All right, because I used to could ride anything and now I can't. All right, now I'm, so it's like, um, okay, girls, I'm gonna do it. Um, I'm gonna take some no dose or something so I don't throw up. Um, and I'll still do it. But anyway, uh, speaking of roller coasters, here are just a few. I'm just gonna tell you just a few stories um, here um, that I found about kind of rides and stuff. Uh, and and you can see the the title there um, uh, of the today's uh, message and where we're going. The guy named Jeremy Hutchins said, when I was a kid, the Needham Town Carnival had a ride called the Octopus, which spun around wildly. Each car spun on wheels while the whole enormous contraption went up, down, and around. About halfway through the ride, a young woman in a neighboring car behind mine threw up, and her vomit hit me right in the face. Uh, I had to continue to ride for a full 10 minutes. That's a long ride. Um, until I was able to dismount the head um, for the, and, and head for the shower. shower. That's nasty. Um, and then in, in 2002, a guy named Chris Matthews says, I was with my extended family at Disney World when our son Corey decided to go walk about. We searched everywhere for him to no avail. Finally, I hit upon the idea of getting on the monorail that ran around the whole park. Um, 
I joined the queue and realized too late that I was actually in line to ride the Space Mountain roller coaster instead. Uh, I was 54 and shaking like a baby as they lowered the harness on me. The whole ride was like an acid trip, up and down over endless drops into, into what looked like eternity. Asteroids and such coming from all angles. I heard shrieks. Uh, they were mine. Uh, when the ride finished, they had to help me off as my legs had stopped working. Uh, never again, that person said. So, I'm, you know, I think that's probably enough. I think you get the point. Uh, but, but life can be that way, can it? It can be up and it can be down. You know, things are going really, really great and awesome, and then something uh, bad happens. And um, I mean that that we have times of uh, of triumph and and we have times of of trial. Amen. And they've probably heard the songs that Sally picked out, which went great with the with today's message. And today, we're going to look at verses nine through thirteen. All right, so we're looking at eight verses today in chapter one as we go through Mark. And I think we'll see uh, the following central statement here that Miss Ronald put up there: that we're going to see Christ's humanity and His divinity. All right, we're going to see both of them uh, in times of triumph and in times of trial or temptation, or tough times, however you want to say that last one, okay? And so really just kind of two points, looking at humanity and divinity of Christ in both triumph at first, and then we'll look at trial secondly. And so let's look in verse 9, Mark chapter 1. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth and Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. And we talked last week about this baptism. And, and so we look at the idea of, of humanity. Um, don't we, is, isn't there something that we all kind of like, for whatever reason, just like whenever we see like the underdog win? You, you know what I mean? Like there's something, there's something cool about seeing ordinary people do great things, whether it's in sports or, or building buildings or other you know, one awesome, wonderful things, right? I, it got me thinking. I know I'm a sports nut, so uh, I think of, of stories like Rudy Rudiger, right? Oh, come on now. Who's seen Rudy? All right? That's a good movie, all right? Uh, you know, you got to watch it. never seen it. got to watch it. But it's a true story about a walk-on who got to play in the game at Notre Dame. It was a big deal. Um, or uh, Michael Ower. Anybody know who I'm talking about there? Michael Ower, Blindside movie. You haven't watched that? Check that out. You know, he, had, he came from a very, very difficult situation. Uh, awful situation, and the family took him in, and then he went on to uh, play college football and play in the NFL. Or Kurt Warner, which they just made a movie about. Kurt Warner was working in a grocery store, <laughs> and the next thing you know, he's a quarterback in the NFL, all right, winning Super Bowls. Um, Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson. Anybody remember that? All right, what? Buster Douglas won? Uh, you know, he would have been like the, the one who had the least chance of winning against Mike Tyson, and he won. Uh, um, of course, you know, I, I, I remember back in 1985, because I was 13 year, years old back then, I couldn't stand Georgetown, right? and then Villanova beat them right? in, in the championship. Some of y'all might remember that. They had to play about a perfect game to win, but they did. Um, or, or the miracle on ice in 1980, right? U.S. beating Russia uh, in the middle of the Cold War and all. So there's something about those stories that encourage us and motivate us. And I think it has, a, has some to do with the idea that anything can happen, even for a regular old person like myself. And so it, get, it gets me thinking about just humanity. 
So speaking of, of this, we'll see the following aspects of humanity in regards to the triumph of baptism. We're going to see uh, these five little sub-points, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on each one, but we're going to look at how each of these five things here has to do with humanity of Jesus as he goes uh, through this time of triumph um, in being baptized. And so the first one is just simply the name Jesus. Okay, we are like, okay, Brother Patrick, what's that got to do with anything? Well, the name Jesus was a very normal name, okay? Very normal, very ordinary. There was a lot of Jesuses, okay? Uh, you know, in fact, it got me, I had to look online to find out what was the most popular baby name for a boy this year. Any, any idea what it might be? Anybody know? Anybody keep up with stuff like that? If you do, that's, that would be strange, but, um, so don't raise your hand. But, um, but you know, like Liam, that's one of the most popular names. Liam, yeah, L-I-A-M. Liam, uh, Noah, um, Oliver, Elijah, and then William, James, and Benjamin, which those three, I can see. I can definitely see William and James. There's always a bunch of Williams and James, right? Um, but Jesus was an ordinary, unremarkable, common name. Okay, um, And then the next thing, so looking, looking at this idea of humanity, is Nazareth. And I think we've already talked a little bit about this before, but let me, let me do it again. We might have some new people who haven't heard this. But, um, you know, you ever been somewhere, you're like, I'm from Jennings, or I'm from Jasper, or whatever, and they're like, from where? Where are you from? And they act like you're from another country. It's like, it's just right down the road, brother. They're like, it's only like an hour from Jacksonville. Like, you know, but they look at you like, huh? Like, you know, never heard that. Okay, we'll go down I-75, I all right, and we're the first couple exits in, in Florida. And they're like, oh, oh, yeah, I-75. They always know then, right? But before that, they're like, huh? You know, and so Nazareth is kind of that way. It's like, from where? Nazareth? Um, it, it, he tells us um, that he's from Nazareth, which would have been a town that people look down on. Okay. Uh, in fact, it was it was simply unremarkable, and in some circles, despised. Even. Okay. In fact, y'all remember I know I've 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 I've, taught, I've mentioned this before in sermons, but look with me on what um, was said uh, about him with Philip and Nathaniel. Okay. John one verses forty five to forty six. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, "We have found the one Moses wrote about in the land, and so did the prophets. Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth." All right, and, and uh, old Nathaniel famously says, "Can anything good come out of Nazareth?" <laughs> come and see, Philip answered. So you know, I, I think he probably was. Uh, you know, Philip probably thought he had him when he said, "You know, come the first part." You know, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law. Oh yeah, I know what that is. Um, Jesus, the son of Joseph. Oh yeah, Jesus, the son of Joseph. Okay, from Nazareth. What, wait, what? From Nazareth? Can anything good come from that place? All right. And this is where Jesus is from. See, it, he didn't have, it didn't have to be that way, right? I mean, he, he is it's God in the flesh, but he's also God. And when he's up in heaven, you know, he could have said, you know, just, hey, uh, Heavenly Father, hey, Father, can you send me to, like, Jerusalem? I'll be born in Jerusalem, right? Um, that's not how he came. He came to little old Nazareth. And let's take that just a little bit far, farther, all right? Um, and and uh, Galilee, third part, Galilee, in Galilee, which again kind of goes with this, but that's okay. Just stay with me for a moment, all right? Um, you know that we live in what's referred to as the Bible Belt, right, which has its own challenges when it comes to church folk. Uh, but according to David Gusick, the um, Galilee is that unspiritual region, not the Bible Belt at all. Okay, so he would have been born in a little Podunkville uh, town and region, county, all right, probably not, not much unlike Hamlin County, all right, uh, kind of nowhere, and um, despised, okay. So if you think you're nothing, 
Jesus can relate with you because he was from, like I said, old Podunk Bill himself. And then Jordan River. Hey. Again, the idea is keep trying, trying to, to, to hammer on the point here. Humanity, average, ordinary. And so the Jordan River, other than the fact that it was, it was very important to the Israelites, right? Going to the Promised Land, they had to cross the Jordan River. Yes, very important. But other than that, quite unremarkable. Okay? Not a whole... Not a whole like to love about um, about that river. In fact, they say it's very unpleasant. Um, uh, a theologian last name Lane says that early rabbinic, rabbinic how do you say that word? Uh, rabbinic. If I, I mispronounce it, sorry, uh, I can't say it right. But y'all get the idea. But early tradition explicitly disqualified the Jordan River for purification. You can use other rivers, but you can't use that one. Okay. Uh, and some of y'all, if you know your your Sunday school lessons, okay, um, it, it what definitely wasn't esteemed very highly. Y'all remember Naaman, brother Tommy? You remember uh, remember Naaman? So look with me just real briefly, Second Kings chapter five, verses ten through twelve. So then Elijah sent him a messenger. So Naaman Naaman is it needs to be healed, and Elisha is approached about him, and Elijah tells him what to do. Okay, uh, it says. Um, he says, go wash seven times in the Jordan, and your skin will be restored, and you will be clean. So he was leprous. So, hey, here's what you do. Just go to go wash in the Jordan seven times. You'll be all right, man. But Naaman got angry and left, saying, I was telling myself he would surely come out and stand and call the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hand over the place and cure the skin disease. That's what he wanted. He wanted a big, big, big demonstration of power here and uh, of, of awesomeness here. Um, but instead, he goes and says, Aren't Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be clean? So he turned left in a rage. All right. He, he, you know, he was told how to be healed, and he still like, Oh, no, I don't want to get in no Jordan River. All right. I don't want to get in there. See, um, Jesus, with an ordinary name, right, from an ordinary town in an ordinary region, went to identify with ordinary human beings by being baptized in an ordinary river. Y'all got it? All right. That was kind of the recap. But let's look at, real briefly, at that part about identifying, relating. So baptism, that's the last part we'll look at when it comes to humanity here. Um, Jesus underwent John's baptism to identify with man and man's sin, although he was and is without sin. He didn't need to be baptized. All right? He did it to relate to a fallen race, to a fallen uh, humans, okay? He didn't need to be, need to be uh, baptized at all. All right, look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the reason why we celebrated uh, and, and we, we had a, the Lord's Supper this morning, right? So again, Jesus didn't need to get baptized, but he wanted to identify with us. Okay? So we see the humanity in uh, being baptized, okay? Uh, what about you guys? Y'all remember being baptized? Anybody remember? All right. It was a glorious time, right? It was a wonderful time. Um, I got baptized twice before I got before it actually mattered. All right. I was one who did it just because my friends did it. All right. But then when I uh, did it after I had really uh, professed Christ as my Savior and Lord, it, it meant something. And I can I can remember even here at, at, at this church, our biggest um, crowds have been on baptism days, right? Um, Hallie and Ethan, those have been our big our big crowds when it comes to you know uh, as far as the number of people because you know it's a glorious time, but. I don't think it's as glorious as we'll see in this section, okay? So let's look at the divinity. So what, what does the word even mean? 
Uh, it's pretty easy, right? It's, it's defined as a state or quality of being divine, which means of, from, or like God. Okay. It's the opposite of humanity, and Jesus was both. So now let's look at this time of triumph, being baptized, and let's see the divinity of Jesus. So the next two verses. As soon as he, Jesus, came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. And so the next screen will show you the different parts that we're going to look at as far as divinity goes. We're going to look at these five. All right. Um, and so the heavens torn open. So this is very strong language, okay? Uh, in fact, this same word is to tear open um, was described cataclysmic demonstrations of God's power, all right? And most of the times that word is used, like uh, such as the dividing of the Red Sea, okay? Which I can't wait, you know, in heaven, I want him to pull that up on the big screen, you know? But hey, God, can you show me that? I want to see that one, all right? Uh, or, or the tearing of the temple curtain at the crucifixion. Um, it, it has the idea of a sky being torn in two, right? Being rent asunder, a sudden event. Um, did the heavens tear open whenever you were baptized? Even you, Ethan, because you had a lot of people here. Didn't happen, did it? Okay? The, the, the sky didn't tear open when you got baptized, did it, Brad? Right, don't think so. All right? And then, again, this is, you're going to, it's going to be the same type point. Kind of, we're just going to keep hammering this, okay? Next one, the Spirit descended like a dove. Um, the Spirit of God was present. In fact, all three parts of the Trinity were present. Look in Luke chapter 3, verse 22, a different, a different um, look at it in a different uh, gospel here. And the Holy, the Spirit, Holy Spirit descended on him in a physical appearance like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. So you have um, God the Son, you have God the Spirit descending, and you have have God the Father speaking, all three present. Once again, very simple. Did the Spirit descend like a dove whenever you're baptized? Mr. Steve, see any dove coming down when you got baptized? No, I didn't think so. Me neither. All right. Uh, next, a voice from heaven. Okay. God speaking audibly is very rare in the Bible. Okay. It does happen, but only for certain glorious occasions. And once again, I'll say it again. I'm going to call somebody different out. Miss Jan. Did you hear a voice from heaven whenever you're baptized? Did everybody else in the uh, if it did, probably everybody would have turned around and be like, ah, you know, like, what is that? You know, I joke sometimes whenever I get the uh, the call on the like to call my room or they have the you ever do that, Miss Sally? Like they, when you hear like they'll just come on the intercom, they won't even give you like a, a warning, you know. It just they just start talking. You're like, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I do that sometimes. My students are like. My students get a, get a giggle out of it, you know. I'm sure I did that with Ethan in the class before. Like, oh, God, you're speaking. Right. Um, and so, next one. Saying, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Warren Wiersbe noted that the word beloved there not only decla declares affection, but it also, and I think this is really, really uh, important, it also carries the meaning of the only one. So not, just, not just affection, but the only one. I mean, that is my son there. See, the Father's announcement from heaven reminds us of, of two verses. Psalm 2-7, and we'll see them up here. I will declare the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I become your father. Okay, goes with that. And then Isaiah 42, verse 1. This is my servant. I strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. I have put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. Again, referring to Christ. Could it get more glorious than that? I mean, could it, could it be more obvious who Jesus was? Who, his identity. He was praised by God the Father and affirmed for all to hear. 
out loud. The baptism is also, you know, this, this baptism was very important in the early church. It was regarded as a, as a sort of defining moment of Christ's life. Uh, in fact, theologian Edwards noted that when the apostles found it necessary to choose a replacement for Judas after, uh, after crucifixion and after all that, the main criterion was finding someone who had accompanied Jesus from his baptism onward. Okay? Uh, look with me in Acts 1, verses 21 through 22, and I'll show you that. Therefore, from among the men who have accompanied us during the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day he was taken up from us. All right? And I'm not going to read the rest of that, but the, you, you get the point. That was a defining moment. He didn't have to be baptized, but he was, and it was a defining moment in his ministry. And then we were trying to get a replacement. He said, we're going to go back to that point. It was an inauguration of his ministry. It was a triumphant time. And we still see both the humanity and the divinity. So the roller coaster ride is going well now, right? We're having fun, Ethan. All right, right? You say you didn't like it, but right now you're having fun. All right, just nod your head yes. Okay, all right. So we're having fun. We're going and having a good old time on that ride. Everyone's smiling and happy, but it's about to take a dip. And it's going to take a dip as it does so often in the book of Mark immediately okay um and you know you i know you've heard the saying that uh you know okay so you're, you're going through a mountain don't worry all right you're about to go through a valley right? because that just seems to be how life is i, I think about um i was talking to miss Rhonda about this and uh, i'm going to camp with with kaylin this summer all right i'm going to uh, church camp with her. I, that's one of the things i miss about being a youth pastor is going to summer camp all right, and I'm going to go with her uh, this summer. But the thing that we used to always tell our teenagers um, is that, look, camp, you're on a spiritual high at camp. Everything's going great. All right? you, don't, you don't really use your phones. You don't have all these distractions. All right? But when you get back home, reality's going to hit, all right? and something tough is going to happen. How do you, do, how do you handle it? Okay? Because that's life. Okay? So, again, we see Christ's humanity and divinity. We see it in time to triumph, and now let's look at it in time to trial or temptation, or tough times, whatever word that you want to uh, to use there. But um, it just better start with the letter T. Amen, Mr. Loris? Okay. All right, here we go. All right, so number two, trial or temptation. And, and you know, I thought, I was talking this the other day as well about the, the temptation and just the things that the teenagers now have to deal with, you know. Um, in fact, I was just talking last Saturday, like a week ago, at the cane grinding to two a couple of y'all friends there, um, Andrew Graham and Hunter Smith. All right, I was talking to them the other day, and they were saying, oh, man, Coach, I'm glad we don't have that stuff these days. We're talking about vaping okay, and how big of a deal it is now. And like, man, gosh, good, good thing we didn't have the, that. It was hard enough for us to stay in class sometimes, you know. But he said how difficult it is on these students nowadays because it's so easy. It's so easy. And, you know, I was telling them how they don't skip, you know, to go come to the gym. You know, some of them do. All right, but now they skip and they just go to the bathroom and get in the stall and get on their phone or they vape, you know. And, and it's it's uh, you know the temptation is so uh, is, is so you know big and, and everywhere now it's rampant. Um, but again, when you talk about temptation, you can also talk about trials. And some and a lot of those times we grow from that, right? We grow from through those tough times. Willa Cather, um, who was a writer, said this: said there are some things you learn best in calm, and some in storm. And I, I agree with her completely. Trials happen 
all of the time. Um, it's part of life. And if you don't believe me, look at what Jesus said himself in Matthew 5. He says in verse 45, So that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Listen, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. You, you know, you've heard me say many times from this pulpit, I'm never going to, you'll never hear me say, come to Jesus, give your life to him, and everything's going to be uh, sunshine and rainbows and ice cream and gummy bears. Any other good things you might like. Sprinkles. Throw some sprinkles in there. It, it's, that's not Christianity. And if somebody's preaching that to you, then you, you need to go to another church. Okay? Because it's not the truth. Okay? Life is tough. Okay? Life is tough. And life will still be tough. Right? But we have a Savior who died in our place. And we have hope because we, we have an eternal home in heaven. Amen? Right? And so we have that hope that, that other people without Christ don't have. And it's, it's so sad to see. And we see it more and more now with COVID and all. So let's take a moment and let's look at humanity and divinity in tough times. We'll just call it tough times. Look in the next uh, verse, verse 12, and then go into the second part of verse 13. And I'll kind of cut it off in the second part. It says, Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals. See, now we're going to look at the following aspects of humanity. All right, and it'll be up here. Miss Rhonda, you're doing awesome. That, that going fast in that first song has got you on your toes back there. All right, uh, immediately wilderness, tempted, 40 days, and wild animals. We're going to see how the humanity uh, that Jesus you know, displayed here in this very, very tough time. Right, and so Mark, once again, uses very, very strong language. He's, he, he, likes to, he, he likes things to be immediate and fast. He also uses very strong language. Okay? Uh, I, I think of him like a, a coach that don't mind saying things that need to be said. Right, Ethan? All right? And, and, just, you know, um, and so the word for drive, all right, to, that he, the Spirit drove him, all right, uh, is a very forceful verb that literally meant to drive someone out. Okay, now, you're going to see this as we go through the next couple months. We're going to see the same word used uh, to see that where Jesus drove, drove out demons out of people. It's the same word. It's a very forceful word. Okay, uh, so Jesus was immediately driven out into the wilderness. Um, and, and, and immediately, again, that fast pace. And, um, and so it's interesting to note that right after baptism... And I know you've heard this, right, Brother Tommy? Right after baptism, the high of that, immediately he's in, he's in a trial. He's in a temptation. He's in a tough time in the wilderness. Okay, just like that. And again, like I mentioned earlier, that, that, that happens all the time. Uh, it comes across, the way Mark says it, it comes across as very matter-of-fact. Okay, very, uh, it's like something like uh, immediately after eating 10 packs of marshmallows, his stomach hurt. You know, uh, immediately after jumping in the fire, his skin was hot. You know, I mean, this is very matter of fact. Immediately after baptism, he's in the wilderness. Bam. I mean, that's life, isn't it? It's ordinary. No, nobody is immune. Not even Jesus. He relates with us as humans. Don't you remember that later? And he relates with us. So let's look at the idea of wilderness. So we had immediately now wilderness. Is there anything spectacular about a wilderness? I mean, it... Doesn't it just, it just, it's ordinary, right? It's, it's a wilderness. There's nothing great about it. In fact, the Israelites often associated um, wilderness with his curse while they associated inhabited or cultivated land with God's blessing. So it was just ordinary. And to them, it was even like a curse. And, and this is still important because Jesus, again, relates 
to humanity here as well uh, because he was he was in it uh, he, he was there I mean I mean we got some teachers in the house all right and half the battle was just showing up right Miss Donald half the battle was showing up okay and just say it might be for you and your job half the battle was just being there okay um, and, and that that matters and it matters it definitely matters to students these days okay well yeah you know it wasn't always easy in that class, but that person was there, and I could count on that person being there, or even as a coach, right, and, and athletes. You appreciate the fact that your coach was there, right, if that person cared for you, he or she. Right? That's half the battle, being there. And so Jesus, again, he's there. He's in it. He didn't. He wasn't immune, okay, just because he was Jesus. He was in the wilderness to be tempted. I love how uh, Dobson summed this part up. He says, living a life, y'all listen, living a life that pleases God, does not exempt us from temptation. Let me say that again. Living a life that pleases God does not exempt you from temptation. Okay? He also said um, that being led by the Spirit, because he was driven by the Spirit. Again. Sorry, could you say that again? Sorry, Siri is talking to me. All right. Uh, being led by the Spirit does not exempt us from temptation. All right? Even Siri knows that. All right. Amen. He was. She was speaking, man. She was speaking. But I let her preach. She might do better. All right. But um, seriously, though, I think we see again. That goes back to what I said a few minutes ago. Life is going to be tough, no matter who you are. You give your life to Christ, it's still going to be tough. It's still going to be tough. All right. Because being led by the Spirit does not exempt you from temptation. He experienced it. Jesus experienced it. And as long as we're in the flesh, we're going to struggle. Right. What did Paul say about it? Y'all remember Paul's struggle, Romans chapter 7? And we're not going to read it. It's not up there on the screen, Miss Rhonda, but um, you can look in Romans chapter 7, and you'll see Paul, one of the greatest Christians of all time, he struggled. Okay? Man, the thing I want to do, I don't do. The thing I don't want to do, I do that. Okay? And then he goes on to say in verse 24, and again, it's not up on the screen, Miss Rhonda, but I have it here. It says, what a wretched man I am. Paul. One of the greatest Christians of all time says, What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? God, can you just rescue me? How many of y'all feel that way sometimes? Rescue me from this body of death. Man, I keep messing up. I keep messing up. And then let's look at the idea of 40 days. Well, why is that important? Well, it's significant because there's a lot of symbolism, right? You know, you're, I know Miss Donna appreciates, appreciates that as an English teacher. There's symbolism there, all right? You have Israel in the wilderness for 40 years, right? Uh, there's a lot more than these, by the way. I'm just going to give you a couple. Um, Moses on Mount Sinai, 40 days and nights, right? You got Elijah was led 40 days and nights to Mount Horeb and other instances, okay, where 40 days is important. See, in each of these, as Edward said, the wilderness was a proving ground, a, a test of faithfulness and a promise of deliverance. But I think, and here's the rub on this, it's, it's, it's very, very, very likely that there are more temptations than the three mentioned in the book of Matthew. Y'all familiar All right, with that? Okay, if you look in the parallel uh, section in Matthew chapter 4, all right, you'll see uh, three different temptations. And you'll hear preachers preach about it. And, and, I, and I, they're preaching the Word. And I'm not saying anything about that. What I am implying here, it is very likely that there were a lot more than three temptations. Jesus was out there for 40 days. I'm pretty sure that Satan just didn't uh, tempt him, you know, and then say, okay, I'm going to leave him alone for the rest of the time. Right? First day, right by the time he's done, and then we're just going to like, no, it's very likely that Jesus was being tempted the whole time. Okay? 
I mean, isn't that life? We struggle every moment and we're in this earthly body. <laughs> I don't know about you, man. I'm, I feel it more and more, man. I was playing dodgeball the other day about kill me. All right, that afternoon, man, I was like, God, see, my back hurts. Everything hurts right now, you know. All right, let's start getting old. I, I hear, I don't know. I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep saying that's not me, right, Mr. Davis? It's not me. I'm not gonna get old. All right. Lastly, wild animals, and just very briefly about that. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this one. I just find it interesting that Mark would throw that in there. He was with the wild animals. It's just kind of like a, this addition at the end. Oh, by the way, there's a bunch of wild animals out there. Just in case you didn't want to know. I mean, I just find it interesting, and and I think this, I think on that you see humanity and divinity because because um, he wasn't immune to the fact that there are animals out there, but then also they didn't mess with him. So I don't know. All right, so that was one that I that I, I kind of had a little bit of, of trouble with, but um, they didn't mess with him because he was divine. So let's go ahead and go to that part, and it's actually shorter because uh, Mr. Jim said we had to get out of here early today because he was hungry. All right, divinity. All right, divinity. Amen. Oh, somebody, nobody said amen. Thank y'all for that. Y'all could have said amen. All right, Mark, Mark 1, verse 13. He was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals. And then lastly, and the angels serving him. Okay, again, uh, different. We see the divinity right there. All right, the angels serving him, but also uh, he overcame it. Um, I have a, a, a pretty good guess, um, you know, if I'm predicting that there's no one else that would have made it that long because they're not Jesus, okay? All right, and, and you know, some of us might have made it about, uh, about 10 days, uh, some of us one day, all right? Um, but probably not 40 days. Jesus made it the whole time, all right? Hebrews 4.15 says this, though. Again, I mentioned this earlier. They're relating to us. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. That's our Jesus. Jesus went through these 40 days of Satan himself throwing everything he could, man. Everything he could. You're thinking like a, uh, they bring in the whole, the, uh, Brad, they bring in everything. They bring in the, the best starter and everybody in the bullpen is ready to go. They're all rested up, right? Right, Brad, everybody. And they got their best stuff that night. No, no, for you to hit. Okay? They're bringing their best stuff. Satan brought his best stuff for 40 days, and it still did not cause Jesus to sin. Amen? It still didn't. Another part, uh, you know, again, the angels as well. Uh, Wiersbe notes the following. Warren Wiersbe, he says, Our Lord's 40 days in the wilderness reminds us of Israel's 40 years in the wilderness. Israel failed when they were tested, but our Lord succeeded victoriously. Hallelujah. All right. Brad, they brought the best pitching they could, and Jesus still hit it out of the park. You hear you feel me? All right, that'll preach. All right. Tweet that. I don't even do still tweet, I don't know. Tweet whatever. Snapchat it or something. All right. Application. As we follow up, as we end here, ask Miss um, Dolores and Miss Sally to come up. Knowing that we can see Christ's humanity and divinity in the high and low times should encourage us because we go through it, right? We go through the same times. So it should encourage us. William Cowper said, God moves in a mysterious way, His wonders to perform. This is in a song that some of y'all may have heard. He plants His footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. That's our Jesus. Life's not easy. Highs and lows. And the good thing is that if we allow the Spirit to lead us, He will empower us to overcome times of temptation. 
We can still overcome it with Jesus' help. Listen, look in Galatians 5, verse 16. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not cert- and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. But God is steadfast. You're still going to have tough times, but we can still rely on the Spirit to help us. Our Savior can relate to us. We have a Savior who knows. Amen? He, he knows. He, he sees. He can't be trusted. Is there an amen on that one? He can be trusted. May we have the faith of a young lady named Ann Steele. Um, Ann Steele had, incur- had encountered one trial and disappointment after another in her life. Her, her mother died when she was three. Um, when she was 19, she suffered a severe hip injury that left her an invalid. And then she eventually she fell in love and was engaged to be married. But the day before the wedding, her fiancé drowned. The day before the wedding. Later, Ann Steele penned the following song. Father, whatever of earthly bliss thy sovereign will denies, accepted at thy throne of grace, let this petition rise. Give me a calm, a thankful heart from every murmur free, the blessings of thy grace impart, and make me live to thee. What an amazing thought, uh, thinking there about Christ and still trusting him. See, God is there, and we have a Savior that can relate to us. Amen? You are not alone in your struggle. God is there. If you ever Christ as your Savior and your Lord, you're not alone. See, we, again, we don't have a high priest who can't relate, do we? We have a high priest who can. And then again, here's another very simple point I want to make before we close out. We can't, but He can. Amen? Again, tweet that one or whatever. It's the same with our sin. We can't, but Jesus can. We, we, we can't get rid of it no matter how hard we try. We can't fight it off. We can't... There's nothing we can... We can do on our own, but we can with Jesus. Amen? How do we do that? By placing our faith and trust in what has already been done on the cross counts for us. That what he did on the cross thousands of years ago counted for me, and that counts for you. And I wanted to show, uh, give you one more verse today to, to close it out, and then we're going we're gonna to sing and be done, and we'll go eat. But very, very common, very popular verse, right? And I saw this um, just the other day. I think it might have been yesterday. And I was like, man, that's, that's really, really good. I just want to add that to today. So just humor me for just a few moments. All right? Jesus said this, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Are you weary? Are you burdened? Come to Jesus. And, and notice it says all. It doesn't say some of you who come to this church every Sunday morning. Right? or of a certain color, or of a certain part of town. Right? You know, you people on the other side of tracks can't come, only the people on this side. Is that what it says? It doesn't say that. All right? Come, all of you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I'm lowly, humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. We're weary. Are you weary and you're burdened this morning? Right. Cast your cares on Jesus this morning. All right. The altar is open if you want to pray. If any decision you need to make, we're, I'll be up here as we sing. Uh, we'll probably only sing one verse. Sometimes we sing more. Most of the times we don't, we don't really belabor it, you know, unless I, unless I have a, feel like God wants me to. Okay? Um, you have a decision, make it, and we'll be glad to talk to you. All right, Sally?